Good morning, New Life. Glad that you're joining us uh, this morning via live stream from your couch or your bed or your bathtub or wherever you are joining us from. Uh, if you happen to be on the Facebook live feed, we'd love you to just to drop a comment. Let us know uh, where you're joining us uh, from. Uh, and perhaps if you're feeling bold, maybe even take a, a snapshot of you and, and your family watching the, the live stream if you are fully clothed. Drop that in there as well, and uh, we'll have a good time with it. Now, I, I'm just kind of wondering, is anybody out there starting to go stir-crazy a little bit? I, uh, I am naturally an introvert uh, by nature, and so when this whole kind of lockdown thing started, uh, I don't know, what has it been, seven, eight, nine days, some, something like that. The first three days were, were kind of cool, but uh, I am, I'm officially over it now. I, I miss you guys. I miss uh, human interaction. I can't wait uh, to, to be together uh, again as a faith family in person. And so let me just encourage you, pray to that end. Let's, let's ask our Heavenly Father uh, to bring this virus to a grinding halt so that we can meet together in person. But in the meantime, we want to let you know we, we have set up kind of a, a resource hub or a resource central landing page. You can find that on the top of our homepage at newlifeofashville.com. And so you can stay up to date on that landing page with everything that's going on here. You can find resources for your family there and also ways, ways that you can help. So many of you have reached out and said, hey, we want to help. Uh, we're willing to buy groceries or cook a meal or deliver a meal or whatever it is. Um, the, all of the ways that you can help serve our body and our community will also be on that landing page that you can find on our homepage. Also, want to let you know that we're going to be doing what we call check-ins um, every single day of the week except for Saturday. And so different staff members are going to be doing short devotionals for you guys. Uh, John Owen will continue reading through uh, the, the Psalms with that beautiful, deep Welsh accent. You don't want to miss that either. Our band may hop on and, and lead some worship for you during the week as well. And so we're going to have a touch point with you guys online every single day of the week except for Saturday. And that's just our way um, to kind of be with you guys during the week and keep you encouraged and connected together as a faith family. So be on the lookout for those kind of uh, connect points or check-ins on our uh, Instagram channel, Facebook channel, etc. Also, I want to say, just like Jonathan said a minute ago, I have been super impressed by how creative many of you have been in order to stay connected with one another. So I've seen uh, several pictures of our small groups meeting live via, via Zoom. Uh, our, our youth group is, is going uh, live every Sunday night. Uh, there have been a lot of phone calls and text messages and FaceTimes and Zoom video chat. So let me just encourage you, uh, keep, keep doing that. Uh, in fact, I would actually encourage you to begin to, to ramp that up because the reality is um, we need each other now more than ever. And so while it's important for us to practice physical distancing, uh, let me encourage you, don't, don't practice social distancing, right? So we want to practice physical distancing, but we do not want to practice social distancing. Let's, let's fight hard to stay connected with one another. Let's leverage technology uh, to that end. And then church family, if you need something, uh, let us know. We're, we're here uh, we haven't gone anywhere. We're still here every day uh, of the week. Uh, we're working hard. We're praying for you. And uh, by God's grace, uh, we are going to get through this 
challenging season together. And uh, in the meantime, super glad that you're joining us via live stream. Would love to say to you, if you are new to New Life, even via live stream, uh, super glad that you are joining us as well. Feel free to drop us an email or a comment on our Facebook live feed. Interact with us. Every week we have a live kind of virtual service host. And so this week, Pastor Jonathan is back there. So you guys give him a hard time, drop a comment, interact with him, and we'll have a good time with it. Um, also, let us know how we can be praying for you. I know this is a scary time for many of you, uh, physical challenges potentially, um, financial challenges, job concerns, all those kinds of things. I know we all have a lot going on, and that's one practical way that we can really kind of just circle up around each other and encourage each other and uplift and support each other is through, through prayer. And so just drop us a line, let us know how we can be praying for you, and uh, we'll be faithful to pray for you uh, this week. Now, now we are in uh, week two of our new message series called Transformed. And essentially what we're doing is we're just carving out a few weeks to really unpack what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because there seems to be a lot of confusion about what it means to be a Christian, even among other Christians. Uh, like, I, I bet if I were to take a poll of everybody watching this live stream right now and just to just get your definition of what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm just guessing, I'm gonna go ahead and guess, there would be literally dozens of different answers. But the reality is it doesn't have to be uh, confusing. This doesn't have to be complex. Jesus actually gives us a really simple definition of what it means to be his disciple. We looked at it last week. We're gonna hit it again this week. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. If you have a Bible, would encourage you at home to go ahead and find Matthew, chapter 4. At this scene, at this point in time in the narrative, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He's come out from the wilderness, 40 days of testing uh, by Satan, and he's getting ready to start his earthly ministry. And so he's walking by this beautiful sea, and he comes across two young guys, two fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and he calls them to be his very first disciples. And so let's look at that scene again. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse 18. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they they followed him. And so from this invitation from Jesus, we see three essential components of being a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is someone who follows him, someone who is changed by him or in the process of being changed by him, and also someone who is living on mission with him. So follow, changed, on mission. We call this the disciple triangle. That should be on your screens right now. And so if someone asks you, what does it mean to be a Christian? Or, or how do you define being a disciple of Jesus? Boom, there it is. That's your definition. It's that easy. You can draw it on a napkin. You can explain it to your friends in less than 30 seconds. Someone in the grocery store as you wrestle them for a four pack of toilet paper. By the way, two ply, it's, it's, th that stuff is dangerously thin. You don't want to wrestle anybody over that. But if it's four ply, you might want to body slam him for it. It would be worth it. Now today, we're going to unpack the first part of being a disciple, kind of that follow element. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? 
Now, for many of us, man, especially if you grew up in kind of the typical American church culture like I did, many of us were sold on this idea by really, really well-intentioned people that becoming a Christian is simply repeating a prayer after someone. And so for many of us, we went to Sunday school classes as kids or maybe went to VBS or a church service or a youth camp or something like that. And the message that we got essentially was this. Hey, listen, everybody spends eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And hell is this place of eternal torment, like fire, pain, screaming, forever. Like you do not want to go to hell. And so if you don't want to spend forever in hell, all you gotta do is pray this prayer. God, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin, and I invite Jesus into my heart. Boom, you're done. Now you're a Christian, and you never have to think about anything spiritual again because now you have your golden ticket into heaven. But my question is, is that biblically correct? Is that what Jesus actually had in mind when he called people to be his disciples? Is that what his disciples actually lived out and modeled for us? Is it really just about praying a prayer or being religious or being a good person? What if it's actually none of those things at all? Would that surprise you? Is it, is it possible that there are many people in our culture, maybe even live watching this stream right now under the sound of my voice, is it possible that there are many people who think they are Christians when in reality they are not? According to Jesus, that's not only possible, it's probable, and it's actually the reality. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says some of the most haunting words that have ever been communicated in Christian history, or really the world history. Matthew chapter seven, this will be on the screens for you. This is what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, not, not a few, not a couple, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name and then I will declare to them I, I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness now to put that in our context on that last day many people again not, not one not a couple not a few not a handful Jesus uses the word many Jesus says many people will say to me Lord, Lord, man, we, 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 Jesus, we went to church almost every single week. Jesus, we, we tossed a 20 in the plate almost every single week. God, we, we, we joined a small group. We joined a Bible study. We watched the live stream every single week during the corona craze. And Jesus will look at many people, I think, with a tear in his eye and say, yeah, but, but I never actually knew you. Like you, you, knew, you knew about me and you knew a lot of facts about me and yeah, you memorized some Bible verses about me, but you never, you never followed me. You just knew some stuff about me. You just studied me like a textbook. 
in our in our home, uh, many of you guys know we have we have we have three kids, and um, and we have a, a chore chart, and so um, our kids have different responsibilities in, in the home, and uh, and they do get an allowance. So we're not we're not running a sweatshop or anything like that. Please don't call it DSS. We're just trying to teach them how to be, you know, normal, responsible human beings in society. But one of one of their one of their chores is to unload the the dishwasher, and that happens almost every single day. And so the way that that's divvied up is is Haley and Karis handle the dishes, and Judah handles the the, the silverware. Now, now just imagine imagine for a moment if I if I called my kids into the the uh, kitchen one day and I said, Hey kids, I, I need you I need you to clean out the dishwasher. And and I left. I went to my room and I came back three hours later, something like that. And imagine that, that nothing had been done at all. And so I call my kids back into the kitchen. I say, kids, what, what happened? Now imagine if my, kid, if my kids answered, hey, hey dad, we, we know we didn't do what you asked us to do, but get this, we memorized every single thing you said. Like, dad, you said, please clean out the dishwasher. Dad, we even, we studied it in Greek. And we're, we're going to invite some friends over, and we're going to have a study about what you said later on. Now, that, that would be absolutely nuts. Like, that doesn't fly in my home. That doesn't fly in your home. That doesn't fly in your workplace or your school or anywhere else in this world, for that matter. So why do we think that's going to fly with Jesus? It's absolute insanity. There was a game when I was a kid in school. I remember playing. It was called... Uh, follow the leader. Do you, do you guys remember that game? Or, or Simon Says. I get those two confused. But whatever it is, you, you kind of had to follow the leader. That was the idea. And if you didn't follow the leader, right, there was somebody there, a teacher or somebody that would say, oh, you didn't do that right. You didn't follow what the leader did. And so you're out. Now imagine how crazy it would be if a kid was standing there during this follow the leader, Simon Says game, and, and they didn't do anything. They just stood there with their eyes closed they didn't do what the leader was doing, and so the person said, hey, listen, you're out. Imagine if that kid responded saying, listen, I'm not out. I was thinking about in my heart what the leader did. I'm imagining in my mind doing what the leader is doing, and so I'm not out. Well, that would be absolutely absurd, but the reality is for many of us, that's the sum total of our spiritual journey. We learn about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We study it with friends. We study what he said with friends. Maybe if we're really spiritual, we might memorize some facts about him or some things that he taught, but we never actually follow him. If you have a Bible at home, let me encourage you to go to John's Gospel, chapter 6. So John, chapter 6. I want us to look at this story. I'm going to give you some things that following Jesus is not, Then I'm going to give you some things that following Jesus is then we'll pray and we'll sing and we'll be done. So that's kind of the plan this morning. As you get to John chapter 6, at this point in the narrative, the, the crowds are, are swelling because Jesus is doing miracle after miracle. He just fed thousands of people from this one little basket full of fish and bread. And people are coming to, to watch Jesus and hear Jesus primarily because they want to see a miracle or they want to get a, another free lunch. And so Jesus starts teaching some really hard stuff, right? So this, this crowd is gathered, and he starts saying things like, man, unless you, unless you eat my flesh, unless you drink my blood, you have no life in you. 
But whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And the people that were there, the, the crowd, they must have been thinking like, man, hold up. I, I, I came here to get a free original Chick-fil-A sandwich and some waffle fries, and this guy is talking about eating somebody's flesh and drinking his blood. This sounds a lot more like cannibalism. I don't know that I signed up for this. I want you to look at verse 66 in John 6. This is what it says. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And what Jesus was in essence saying is, listen, if you want to be my disciple, you have to go all in. You have to reorient your entire life around me. You've got to walk with me. You've got to be with me. You've got to eat, sleep, and breathe with me. Listen, Jesus didn't say to the disciples when he called them by the Sea of Galilee, hey, listen, boys, I got this really cool prayer. And if you just repeat this prayer after me, it's all good. You got your golden ticket to heaven, and you can just go back to fishing, go back to your old life, and you don't have to think about this anymore. No, his invitation was radical. His invitation was, in fact, it was so radical that John says many of his followers, many of the crowd, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so at that point, the crowd leaves, and there are only the 12 remaining. And Jesus turns back to the 12, and he goes, you guys, do you guys want to leave too? And Peter said, Jesus, Jesus, where, where, where would we go? Jesus, we've... We've left everything to follow you. Jesus, you have the words of eternal life, and we believe that you are the Holy One. You are the Messiah. You are the, the Christ who has come to save his people. Now listen, Peter didn't always get it right. In fact, he oftentimes, most of the time, he got it wrong. Right? Right? Peter was a master of sticking his foot in his mouth, but he absolutely nailed it this time. He goes, Jesus, you're, you're all we've got. Jesus, we, we've left everything. We've abandoned everything in our lives to follow you. you. You have the words of life. You are life to us. Jesus, we are with you till the end. Ride or die until the end with you, Jesus. And from that exchange, I just want to lay out for you three things that following Jesus is not, and then three things that following Jesus is. So we'll start with the things that following Jesus is not. Number one, Following Jesus is not praying a magical prayer that changes nothing in your life. Now, we will dig into this more next week, but saying that you know Jesus and then that nothing in your life has changed is akin to you saying that you got hit by a train and it didn't alter the way that you look. It's just not possible, right? Now listen, there, there's nothing wrong with saying a prayer and inviting Jesus to come into your life. In fact, we do that all the time here at New Life. But we've got to understand, it's not the prayer that, that saves, right? There's not some kind of magical Jesus dust prayer that we just pray and all of a sudden we're, we're done with it, right? It's, it's not the, that the prayer is wrong. It's the fact that it's the position of your mind and your heart toward Jesus as you give him everything, pledge to follow him 
all of your days on this planet. So that's the first thing, following Jesus is not. It's not a magical prayer that changes nothing in your life. Number two, the second thing that following Jesus is not. Following Jesus is not being religious. See, that, that's another big misconception in the American church, right? And, and the thought goes something like this. Hey, if I, the thought is this. If I just, if I just go to church, if I just, uh, if I just throw some money in, in the plates, if I, if I serve a little bit, if I watch the live stream during crazy time, I, uh, then, then I gotta be all right in the end, right? But see, the, the reality is that Jesus is not looking for religious adherence. Now, understand this. We, we, we should go to church. We should serve. We should go on mission trips. We should connect with small groups and pray for one another and study the word together and all those good things. But all of those things ought to flow from a beginning place of a relationship with Jesus, right? We should do those things because we, we love Jesus and we love his mission, not because we think if we don't do all of these chores, that he's not gonna love us anymore. I, uh, many of you have kind of heard my story. I, I grew up in, in kind of the church uh, culture and um, was in church two, three, four times a week from the time that I, I can remember. And uh, it, it wasn't really until I was 20, I was in my 20s um, in college before I really began to follow Jesus. Um, and I gotta tell you, man, when I, when I, when I was growing up and, and going to church, I, I really, if I'm being honest, I really disliked church. I mean, I can remember sitting with my friend. Our church had, had a balcony. I don't know if you guys grew up in some of those old school churches that had a balcony, but our church has a, had a balcony, and so I would, I would go hide in the balcony with one of my buddies, and uh, we, had, we had ceiling tiles in our, in our church that had a bunch of little holes in them for some reason. And so I remember sitting there and trying to see how many holes I could count during a church service. I think the most I ever got up to was like 7,300 and something like that. And, uh, you know, my parents were, were great parents, and they, they wanted me to be a, a really well-rounded person and um, had the greatest of intentions. And so they put me in our, our youth group uh, choir. Uh, Mike Watkins, do you hear that? I was, I was in a choir, so if you ever need somebody for the band, I am available. And... Um, that, that, actually, that, that actually turned out to be an unfortunate mistake for my parents. I, uh, I remember, I, I didn't want to be a part of the youth group choir, and um, we, we, we'd go on choir tours and like travel the country, all these crazy things. And uh, I can remember we had this big rehearsal one time in, in our gym, and we were getting ready for, I can't remember, a big concert or a tour or something like that. And I can remember uh, sneaking out of rehearsal with a buddy, you know, and we, we were up, I'm sure, to, to no good. And, uh, and we got busted. So, so the worship pastor must have taken, taken roll or something like that and realized that we had we, we kind of snuck out. And um, when we got back, uh, hoping that we had gone unnoticed, uh, he, he called us out in front of everybody. And uh, he kicked me out of the youth choir right there in front of everybody. And that, that guy, the worship pastor, my dad was actually his boss, right? So it was, it was really bad. Uh, that actually happened to be one of the, the happiest moments of my life when I got kicked out of youth choir. And I just, I, I, hated, I hated church. I didn't like going to church. I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to sit under the teaching of the word of God. I had no interest in worshiping God. I didn't want to be around other people that believed and followed Jesus. But I gotta tell you, all of that changed almost in an instant when I began to actually follow Jesus, man. And when I was 20 years old and I gave my life to Jesus, man, I, I wanted to gather with the saints. 
And I wanted to be around people that were on this same mission that I was on. And I wanted to be around people that are on the same path in life that I was on. I want to worship God and fellowship and be with other people that are living the same life. See, Jesus did something. When I began to follow Jesus, he did something in my heart that religion never could. See, following Jesus is not about being religious. Number three, following Jesus is not about even being a good person. Following Jesus is not about being a good person. Now, this, this is probably the biggest lie that many of us believe in the American church culture today. And so the thought is, man, just, just be a good person. Man, just, just, do more, just do more good things than you do bad things. And in the end, it's all going to work out for you in the end. Just being a good boy, being a good girl, that's, that's kind of what makes you a Christian anyway, right? And that, that, sound, that sounds kind of good. It kind of makes me feel good because I feel like I've got control of that. Because if I can just do a, a, a few more good things in my life than I do bad things in, the, in, my, life, in my life, then, then perhaps God is going to accept me on that last day. And it sounds pretty good. There's just one little problem with it, and that is that it doesn't work. It never works. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says, there is, there is none righteous, no, not one. In, in, that, in that same chapter, he, he goes on to say, for, for all have sinned. Not, not for some have sinned, not for a few of you, not, not most of you, for all. Every single person who has lived and who will ever live on this planet, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning, none of us, zero None of us are going to get to God based on our feeble efforts to be a good person. We, we are all fallen. We are all sinful. We are all rebels, separated from a perfect and a holy God by our own sin. So following Jesus isn't trying really hard to be a good moral person. Listen, if, friend, if you, are, if you are trying to do that, spoiler alert, you are wasting your time. Because at the end of the day, even, even if you can get most of your outward actions all cleaned up, and you can, you can convince everybody around you that you're a good person, even in the middle of all that, the problem is God still sees your heart. And God still knows your thoughts. And if you're anything like me, and you're being honest with yourself this morning, that's, that's a terrifying thought. Because the truth is that you can deceive me. And maybe if you're really good, you can deceive those around you, your friends, maybe even your family. But friend, you can never, ever deceive God. And so if, if following Jesus isn't simply praying a prayer after somebody, if following Jesus isn't being religious or even being a good person, then what is following Jesus really all about? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Here we go. Following Jesus is, let me give you three things. Following Jesus is, number one, reorienting your entire life around Jesus and his mission. Listen, church family, in a world that says, live for yourself, man, gra grab 27 packs of toilet paper because it's all about you. In a world that tells us, protect yourself, pleasure yourself. Fight for your rights and your security and your comfort. Jesus steps into that world and, and invites us into in a completely different kingdom of love. 
love for others, of self-sacrifice, of living for a far greater mission than just our little quest to make our lives easy and comfortable. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16. He says, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if anybody wants to actually follow me, if anybody wants to, to actually be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus was saying to his disciples then, he's saying to us today, following me isn't always going to be easy, but it will always be worth it. See, following me isn't about giving me lip service or saying that you're a Christian or posting a Bible verse on your Instagram or your Facebook feed. It's about denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following me. In other words, it's about doing what I do. It's about reorienting your entire life and values around an invisible kingdom that has the power to revolutionize the human heart. Following Jesus changes how we do marriage. Following Jesus changes how we, how we parent. It changes how we interact with our parents. Single people, listen to me, it changes how we date. It changes how we, how we spend our time and how we leverage our, our talent and our, and our time and even our, our money. And now, more than ever, when our world is absolutely cowering in fear over a virus that has brought entire nations to its knees, now, more than ever, is a time for the church of Jesus to shine so that the world sees that we don't live for ourselves that we're actually living for another kingdom and a better king, that we gladly give away all that we have so that others might see the beauty of Jesus in us. See, friend, following Jesus is reorient, reorienting your life around him. The second thing that following Jesus is, number two, is it's, it's a relationship. Following God is, is always relational. Now, we've, we've already said that it's not religion, it's, it's a relationship. In other words, it's this, it's this, it's this life-changing truth that we can actually know the God of this universe personally. Like, can you, even, can you even begin to wrap your brain around that truth? That the God of this universe loves you. That he, he pursues you. That he has a desire to to know you. He has a desire to have you know him and he wants to walk through this life with you, a real relationship. And this, this crazy idea that we can read these ancient words that breathe life into our hearts and our souls that we can actually hear from the God of this universe and we can actually pray to him and talk to him and he actually hears us and he interacts with us and he changes things in our life like this real live dynamic relationship with God friend that is not that is not religion that's a relationship this is life following Jesus is relational the third thing following Jesus is is it's learning how to abide in his power learning how to abide in his power in John chapter 15 Jesus says I am the vine 
You are the branches. Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that, that word abide in the Greek is actually the Greek word meno. It literally means to stay put. To stay put, to stay grounded, to anchor down, to, to dwell in, to stand in, to endure in. Jesus is reminding us that, listen, if you, if you try to follow me in your own power, if you try to live this life just by mustering up enough self-will and self-control in your own life, man, you are absolutely going to wreck stuff in your life. You're, you're going to mess stuff up. You're going to mess your marriage up. You're going to mess other relationships up. You're going to mess yourself up. But, but, Jesus goes, if you learn how to abide in me, how to plug into me as your power source for this, if you learn how to dwell in me and stand in me and plug into my power, I'm going to do things in your life and through your life that you never even dreamed possible. Listen, as we, as we look at the New Testament documents in the early church history, there is absolutely no way these early disciples should have been able to do what they did. There's, there's absolutely no way they should have been able to do what Jesus asked them to do. The, remember, these guys are they're blue-collar guys. For the most part, these are uneducated guys. These are, these are regular, average people, and Jesus sent them on a mission to absolutely revolutionize the world. These guys were, they were nobodies. There's no way they could do what Jesus asked them to do on their own. And that's, that's the beauty of it all, is that Jesus empowered them as they plugged into him, as they walked with him, he empowered them to do things they could never do on their own. And the same is true for you and I. See, we too are nobodies, really, at least most of us in the world's eyes. But where the world sees a bunch of nobodies, God, God sees an army of willing people that he can unleash as light into the darkness. And when that happens, church, it's, it's powerful. And when that happens, it's, it's beautiful. And when that happens, neighborhoods begin to change. And cities begin to change, and workplaces begin to change, and schools begin to change, and families begin to change, and the whole world begins to change. But the source of that power to live this life is never found in self. You're never going to find the power within yourself to do that. You're too weak. I'm too weak. It's only found as we abide in the vine of life, Jesus Christ. It's as we walk with him. It's as we read his word and pray to him and walk with him and worship him with other disciples. It's as we live on this mission with him that we find the power to become who we are meant to be. And when that happens, it's incredible. And it's life-changing. And it's beautiful. We're gonna pick up next week and we're gonna talk about how Jesus changes us. So today has been all about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like when Jesus begins to change our lives. But before you finish this morning, let me, let me just say to you that, that following Jesus, that saying yes to him, is the single most important thing that you could, you could ever do. Now, I, I, I wonder, listen, and I, I'm not saying that I have all the answers to, to everything that's going on in, in our world. I, I, I certainly don't. 
But I, I'm not making a, some kind of theological statement here, but I just, I have to wonder if God isn't allowing this weird kind of virus pandemic season that's bringing all of our lives to a grinding halt, if he isn't allowing this in his mercy because of his love for us so that we could have the time, so that we could have the mental space to really process what matters most in life. And nothing matters more than knowing and being known by your creator. So maybe, maybe, just, just maybe, God in his love is allowing us this brief window in time. And I know it feels like it's lasting forever, even though it's only been a week. It feels like it's gonna last forever, but it's, it's not. This too shall pass. But maybe God is allowing us this, this brief moment in time, this, this window of history to slow down so that those of us who don't yet know him might come to know him. For those of us who haven't really begun to follow him, actually follow him, not just lip service, not just I prayed a prayer 30 years ago that never changed my life, but for those of us who have never actually begun to follow Jesus, maybe he's given us a brief moment in time so that we could begin to do that. And maybe for those of us who already do know him, but maybe you're like me and oftentimes you allow things to just maybe begin to crowd him out and begin to push your relationship with him to the side. Maybe you put it on the back burner just because of the busyness of life, man, with, with work and school and friendships and relationships and our social life and just the pressures of everyday life. What if, what if God in his grace and his mercy and his love for us is giving us an opportunity, a chance to reprioritize our lives around what actually matters most? And that is, without question, knowing and following him. I want to close with a quote that I came across this week. This is James Hudson Taylor, one of the famous missionaries to, to China. This is, what, this is what Taylor says. This will be on the screen for you. He says, not, not infrequently, our God brings his people into difficulties on purpose that they may come to know him as they could not otherwise do. A church, I'm just being honest with you. I, I, don't, I don't have all of the answers for why whatever is happening is happening right now in our world. But here, here's what I know without a doubt. What I know without a doubt is that God is good and God is definitely, he is most definitely up to something. So let me just encourage you, don't, don't miss out on what God has for you during this season because of worry or because of fear or even because of boredom. As we close, let me just invite you if, you, if you realize after hearing these words of Jesus, maybe, you, maybe you're beginning to realize right now, and you're just thinking in your mind as you're sitting there on your phone or on your computer, you think, man, Chris, I, man, I, I, think, I think I'm religious. I'm a good church-going person, a good, good church-going man or, or woman, or, or listen, I, I try really hard to be a good person, all right? Chris, I think I... Man, I've been counting on, I've been banking on a prayer that I prayed 30 years ago or 10 years ago that never actually changed my life. But I, I'm beginning to realize that I've never actually followed Jesus. Like, I've, I've got a lot of the external stuff right, but internally, like, in my heart, I know I have never really begun this dynamic type of walk and relationship 
with Jesus. I've never actually followed him. I've never actually gone all in with him, but I want to. And I want, I want to know him, and I want to have this type of relationship that changes my life and changes those around me like you're talking about, like the life, the abundant life that Jesus offered to people. I want to, I want to follow him, and I want to be in relationship with him. Listen, if that's, if that's you, I just want to invite you to express that to him in a moment as we, as we pray. And then I want to encourage you to let us know that you want to take that step so that we can help you walk in this journey. Um, so if that's something that you want to do or you have questions about, you're like, man, I want to I begin this walk with Jesus. I'm tired of playing games. I want to know God through Jesus. Let us know. You can drop us a comment uh, on Facebook Live. If you happen to be watching there, just say uh, all in, and we'll know to contact you and talk about that. Uh, you can also uh, email us at info at nlcca.org if you want to take a step, make a decision. And listen, if you're, if you're tuning in, you're watching live, and you're already, you're already there, man. You're a follower of Jesus. You, you love him. You're a disciple. My question for you is, what is God asking you to do right now? Is he, is he slowing down your life right now so that you could begin to perhaps reprioritize and reorient things in your life around Jesus and, and his mission? Is he, is he perhaps asking you to begin uh, discipling your kids at home? Is he asking you perhaps maybe, maybe to start praying with your spouse or sharing your faith story with somebody in your neighborhood or a, or a classmate or a friend or a family member? I, I, don't, I don't know what your next step is today, but I know that he has a step that he wants you to walk in, and it's going to be for your good and for his glory. Let's pray, and then we'll see. Father, it's, uh, man, it's during times like this when you allow us to slow down, when sometimes you even force us against our will to slow down. It's during this season, God, where we're oftentimes maybe more aware, our senses maybe are more heightened to spiritual truth. Maybe our hearts are slowing down so that our hearts would be more sensitive to hear from your spirit, to hear that still and quiet voice that's always been there, but maybe we've just been too busy to stop and hear it. God, so I pray for the person who's tuned in right now, is watching this, and they don't know you, God. They haven't followed you. They haven't started that process of relationship with you through your son, Jesus, God. Would you, would you help them take that step right now in this moment, God? And then to let us know that that's what they're, that's what they're wanna do so that we can walk this path with them, God. And for those of us who are tuned in and we, we know you, we love you, God, but maybe, maybe things in our walk with you have just begun to, to grow stale. God, maybe just the busyness of life has crowded out our relationship with you, God. Would you, would you help us, Father, as, as your beloved sons and daughters, would you help us take a step today to go deeper with you in this season, God? Would you give us courage? Father, would you give us a spirit of fearlessness, God? Help us during this season to shine as light into darkness for your name's sake, for your glory. We ask it all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Church, let's sing.